do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today because every day with type 1 diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This podcast is brought to you by Ultra Rapid Acting Inhaled Insulin. The one thing I get asked the most about in my work is how do I deal with my fear of low blood sugar? Now let's be honest, low blood sugars are scary. They're uncomfortable and they don't feel good emotionally or physically. And so we wanna avoid them at all costs. But at the same time, having low blood sugar, it's a fact of life for people with type 1 diabetes. And in fact, if you wanna manage your diabetes well, you're gonna have low blood sugar sometime. But the question is, how do you deal with the fear that comes about when you have low blood sugar? How do you not avoid things? How do you go out and live your life, even if you might go low? Welcome to the Live Free with 2 d podcast, brought to you by the IB Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type 1 diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You're the captain, your diabetes management is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And in this episode, I talked to Stefano. For the past several years, fear of low blood sugar has paralyzed Stefano to the point where he had trouble leaving his dorm room and eating a variety of foods. After listening to this podcast, Stefano got some tools that he's been using to help him to overcome his fears. And on this episode, I talked to Stefano about the progress that he has made after listening to and engaging with this podcast. If you've ever dealt with a fear of low blood sugar or feel trapped by the chains of diabetes, this episode will give you hope. Stefano, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I love hearing about people who have gotten success from listening to the podcast. And Stefano is one of those people. He emailed me a little while ago and told me how impactful a couple of the episodes that I did about fear of low blood sugar have been for him. And so I wanted to have Stefano on the podcast to, one, hear about his experience dealing with fear of lows, and then talking about, you know, what has changed for you, especially after listening to the podcast and getting some skills we talked about here um, around your life and how that has really made your life better. So Stefano, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your life with type 1 diabetes when you're when you're diagnosed and you know, where are you right now? Totally. So I was diagnosed seven years ago. It was during my freshman year of high school. And since then, I went to college. So now I'm a senior in college. I'm originally from Miami, Florida, but now I go to school in in Philadelphia. And really, you mentioned it that I have had a really pretty intense fear of lows. And that's been a big piece of my life for the past couple of years. And right now I'm getting to the point where it's still a work in progress, but have seen a ton of change in the positive direction with that in the past couple of months. 
Yeah. So tell me about when the fear of low started and how is it impacting your life? What did you see happening in your life that was really making it challenging? So my first day at college, actually, I had back to back really bad low blood sugar episodes. I just could not stop my blood sugar from plummeting. And Mm -hmm. the worst instance was I was, it was the middle of COVID. We had come to campus. It was also winter. I'm from Miami, so I'm not used to the winter. And we were walking into the city with a group of people that I I didn't know. I had just met that night. And Uh earlier that day, my blood sugar had dropped a couple of times already. So I brought a bunch of sugar with me. I ate a snack before I went. And 10 minutes into walking into the city, my blood sugar just started plummeting like double arrows down. I started freaking out because I didn't really have an escape plan. I was on foot and everything was closed because it was because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And luckily, someone knew there was a train station a couple blocks down. So we went into that train station. I was like, this cannot be true. I cannot be dropping this fast. And I went to check with my meter and my meter wouldn't turn on. And I think that's when just like full like panic mode sit in. I have a Dexcom, so I knew I was dropping, but I just thought it was maybe inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And I ate everything in that bag. Uh, I went home and I kind of was just like, it's just stuck for that since then. And I think really what it did was it established a shift, not only in my brain, but also my body's response to low blood sugars mm-hmm. in high school. It had always been, I'm low, I need to take action. And after that specific episode, it became, I'm I'm low, so I'm unsafe. Mm. And over time, that definition of unsafe started expanding. It was, I'm unsafe because my sugars are trending down, or because I have insulin on board, or just because I'm out of routine. And it snowballed all the way up to the point where it became, I'm unsafe because I have diabetes and because of that constant sense of unsafety, I just was really avoiding everything and that it resulted in me being incredibly unhappy, unfulfilled and just stuck with my diabetes management. So I want to go back to talking about being unsafe for just a second. And I I know that that's, that that, that's a, a common thing that people experience and, and feel. And, and I, and I want to dive into that a little bit because uns, being unsafe is a very broad term. Like it, it, it feels to me like it, it's there and it's like this big cloud that's coming over you, but you can't really grab onto it and actually figure out what's your unsafe from or what's going to happen if you are unsafe. Did you ever have any sense about, you know, what, what, what were you scared would happen? Did you have a, your snowballing thoughts going to a place of you're going to end up in the train station dead? Or were you, were, were you, did you actually, did your mind actually get that far to what, what's going to happen if I'm unsafe? Totally. So surprisingly, my fear was never the passing out or dying piece. Cause I mean, once I pass out or something like that, like it's done, it was more of just that feeling of discomfort, like super intense discomfort. Okay. That you get with a low blood sugar and a panic attack on top of that. Mm-hmm. And that was just, I was just like terrified that I couldn't handle it. Um, and yeah, it was like trying to avoid definitely the passing out, but it wasn't necessarily the passing out that made me so terrified. It was just more of the, like how terrible it would feel. 
Yeah. And my guess is if you're like most people, you weren't actually worried. I mean, you worry about passing out kind of as a abstract thing in the future, but not really worried about that it's going to happen because you felt like, okay, well, I, I'm, I have the ability to keep on eating and eating and eating. But really, you're more scared of the feeling of being low and the, the feeling of being scared. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. And then totally. I definitely then did he, have. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I definitely did have the sense of, because I had been dropping so much throughout the day, um, that, that specific day, I started to carry a ton of sugar on me. And it was mm-hmm. always that feeling of no matter how much sugar I have, it's not going to be enough to stop a low. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely that fear, that fear aspect of just like fearing, feeling that emotion was, was the big piece. The other thing that really struck me when you're telling the story about that first day of college is that you were around people who didn't know. And so, you know, a feeling of being unsafe because the people around you don't know about diabetes, don't, don't know about you. And also probably a sense of embarrassment or just being, being very self-conscious about the fact that you are having this happen to you around people who are strangers who you're hoping may become your friends. Totally. I would say more so than the embarrassment piece was the sense well, the fact that for most bad lows I had had in high school, they just had happened to be overnight when I was okay. with my parents. Okay. And my parents would freak out a lot over those lows. So it was kind of like the yang and the yin and yang of if my parents are freaking out, I was like, I'm fine. I've handled tons of lows before. It's okay. okay. And in this case, my parents weren't there. So mm-hmm. I was missing that freak out. So on my end, I was like, why aren't you guys freaking out? Like, I'm about to die. Um, oh, okay. So I think that alarm in my body was like even more intense because I didn't have to play the role of calming someone else. Interesting. And it's inter- I mean, it's yeah. interesting you say that because, you know, there's, there's a sense of like, why aren't you freaking out? And also, I'm sitting here sweating and shaking and I may, may not be talking with, with coherent words around somebody new or around new, new, a new group of people and you're not freaking out like what's wrong with you. Yeah. But also, but also the, the, the memory of your parents freaking out. So th- th- that message being said to you that having a little blood sugar is an emergency. <laughs> and, um, it, it, you know, that, that was being triggered for you as well. And you're like, well, this is an emergency. Why aren't, why aren't you paying attention to me? And also, um, yeah. you having a sense that a low blood sugar is truly an emergency and granted it isn't it, it, to a, a certain degree it is an emergency but not not one that has to end in disaster but it sounds like you had that 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 uh you know that trigger that it could or and it would and maybe that it had to so i can see where all this comes Absolutely. together and and can make things challenging for you so and then Back to the avoidance piece, because I mean, that's what's happening is, you know, for, for actually, I would say that for most of diabetes or mental health challenge related diabetes, what ends up happening is we withdraw. We, we avoid situations where that thing, that feeling or that experience could happen. And it sounds like that really happened for you, especially right when college was starting. And I wonder what did the, that first semester of, of college look like for you? I mean, COVID aside, the fact that you were really kind of shutting down and avoiding situations what were you avoiding that you really wanted to be doing i mean it was everything i would not i felt like my friendships were really terrible that first semester because i just didn't want to leave my room uh i was in terms of eating 
it was the same meals all the time. I, I wouldn't eat out. I just really wouldn't do anything. Uh, it was really easy to do that that first COVID semester, which mm-hmm. is why I think things really snowballed because when we came back and things were back to normal and people were going out and doing things outside of our rooms because we were allowed to, that was when it really hit me that I really am scared to do anything, like go to class, um, go on a walk. Uh, just like everything became this daunting task for me that I had to avoid. Yeah. And that just cut back. It, your world became very, very, very small, very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's jump to now. And you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that this is a work in progress. And I, that, you know, type 1 diabetes and mental health is always a work in progress. I think we're, we're, we, all, we, we all have, including myself included, have steps to take in the forward direction. So I want, I want to recognize that that's a normal, a normal thing for you. I don't expect you to be completely cured at all. But what has changed for you, both in terms of, you know, where are you now, but also what's been the process for you getting to that place? And how has this podcast helped you there? So there were two key episodes that I had listened to in this podcast that really had a strong impact on me. The first one was the podcast that was talking about the fact that really there is no strategy of getting rid of low blood sugars or the fear of low blood sugars. It's just you have to experience it and expose yourself to them. Mm -hmm. And that is the way that you get rid of that. Like anxiety behind it. And uh, like elaborating a little bit more into that, I really started to like dig into that and realize, okay, I really need to dedicate time into exposing myself into the, to these uncomfortable emotions. Mm-hmm. But for me, that approach that I needed to take was very specific. So in general, there's like three kinds of like problems, like thinking, doing, and then feeling. And my problem with this anxiety was really related to that feeling piece. And in the sense of exposing myself to experiencing that low blood sugar, when I was doing it, I was really taking a doing approach instead of a feeling approach. So in my head, it was as long as I expose myself to the feeling of being low, and I power through it and kind of this tug of war with my anxiety of who could win, As long as I won that tug of war every time, it would be okay. And for me, what something that really changed was I read this book called The Body Keeps Score. And it talked to me about how it's really hard to kind of get through a traumatic event later to kind of undo the effects of a traumatic event. And for me, every single low was traumatic, even though I was maybe powering through it later on, you would kind of see a spike in those avoidance behaviors again, because that just like alarm of unsafety was kind of blaring through my head. So with that, it was really learning how to feel my lows in a way that was going to be like productive for me, like healing that anxiety. And really kind of the way that happened was really just learning to silence the alarm instead of just like being in a constant state of alarm and just sitting with it throughout the low. So for me, some of the ways that I've learned to do that 
was when I feel that kind of surge of anxiety, instead of seeing it as this opponent that I need to battle, um, kind of seeing it as someone, it's really just my body trying to keep me safe. So kind of thanking it, hand on the chest, deep breath, saying like, thank you for trying to keep me safe, but right now I'm not unsafe. And that kind of calms me down. Uh, really, the I've done a little bit of looking into kind of the vagus nerve and how that plays into everything. So um, like humming to stimulate the vagus nerve just like triggers that sense of safety in the body. And that sense of unsafety definitely spirals up to my brain and gives me some of that like that fogginess where you feel like you can't think straight. So also doing some thought logging uh, has really been helpful. So those are kind of the three main things that have been helpful for me after that first podcast. And then another huge piece, which I definitely can't disregard, was just logistically the lows that I had. Um, I know the system works wonders for some people, but for me, Control IQ on the T-Slim, just me and the system did not go together. Okay. And I just could not kind of get over that distrust of the system. And my doctors had really told me it's the best system on the market. Um, So many people are on it, but I listened to one podcast of yours that was knowing when you need to give a little bit more trust in your devices or knowing when that device is just like not for you and you have to look for another option. And after listening to that podcast, I really gave some thought into what is the best system that's going to work for me and the kind of management that I need right now. And I ended up landing on the Omnipod 5. And that's just, I've, I've lo- really loved it. Of course, there's like ups and downs with every system. But overall, I, I feel like I really trust it to, to prevent my lows instead of being scared that it's going to cause it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that trust, you have to trust the system. You have to trust the data that's coming out of your CGM. And you have to trust the algorithm. And that comes with experience. But if you have too many experiences where it's not trustworthy or it's not working for you, that's a time when you want to take a step back. I want to I want to go back to totally. what you said before because I think it's an important point for you, but also for the list everyone else listening to this podcast is you know talking about doing your experience with doing the low versus feeling the low or the feeling the anxiety around the low. And I liked when when you're talking, what came to my mind, a picture that came to my mind was. It's like you're going swimming, you're in a swimming pool, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to go underwater. And so you plug your nose, you close your eyes really, really tight, and you go underwater for a second or five seconds or even 30 seconds. But the whole time you're there, you're thinking to yourself, I have to get through this, I have to get through this, I have to get through this. And what you're not doing is experiencing actually being underwater. You're experiencing what's in your head of, I hate this, I want to get through it. As opposed to, you know, relaxing in the water, going underwater, maybe even keeping your eyes open, even if the chlorine is stinging your eyes, but just being there in that experience and how much more you learn from that process than you know, just going under, like basically covering your head and covering your eyes and your nose and your ears and just trying to get through it. And I think that that was the experience that you had is, okay, I'm, I'm getting through this low. I'm doing everything that I can to avoid the feeling of it, but I'm getting through it. Um, and you found that wasn't very helpful for you. When thinking about expanding your diabetes management toolkit, you may not be thinking about insulin. 
there haven't been a lot of new insulins to put in your toolbox. Sure, there are different brands, but nothing really unique when it comes to insulin delivery, except for Afrezza. Afrezza, insulin human inhalation powder, is unique because it's the only ultra-rapid-acting inhaled insulin available. It's a man-made, orally inhaled insulin and is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes without the need for mealtime insulin injections. Once you inhale a Frezza into your lungs using the inhaler, it will start reducing your blood sugar in about 12 minutes, and it's out of your bloodstream within 1.5 to 3 hours, depending on the dose. Keep in mind that a Frezza must be used with basal insulin in people who have type 1 diabetes. To learn more about inhaled insulin, visit www.afrezza.com. That's A-F-R-E-Z-Z-A dot com. Afrezza is a rapid-acting inhaled insulin used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes mellitus. Afrezza may cause serious side effects, including sudden lung problems, low potassium, and heart failure. Afrezza is not for patients with chronic lung disease, such as asthma or COPD. Tell your doctor if you smoke, recently stopped smoking, have ever had kidney or liver problems, a history of lung cancer, or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Most common side effects are low blood sugar, cough, and sore throat. Severe low blood sugar can be fatal. Do not replace basal insulin with Afrezza. Afrezza is not for use to treat diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not take Afrezza if you are allergic to insulin. Talk to your doctor before changing your Afrezza dose. Blood sugar may need to be checked more frequently. A thousand percent. I totally agree. That was exactly how it felt. Yeah. And then the other thing, I, I'm sure that I've used this metaphor before on the podcast. I use it all the time in my, in my work. But thinking about the experience of the, of the low, um, not as something that you want to get rid of, um, but something that you kind of have to get messy with and how it's going to be uncomfortable. And sitting in that discomfort, actually sitting in that mud is actually an important thing. And the, the metaphor that I use is thinking about your emotions around low blood sugar as a two liter bottle of soda. And imagine that you shake up the two liter bottle of soda before you open it. And now it's full of carbonation. And the first thing, you, the, the, then you open the two liter bottle of soda and what happens? It just starts exploding. And your initial reaction to that is, I don't want my hands to get dirty. I don't want my my counter or my floor to get dirty. So I'm going to shove the cap back on and put it put it back on because I don't want it to get dirty. But I but I I opened it as opposed to opening it and letting it do its thing, let it get geyser up, and then all of a sudden now your hands are dirty, your clothes are dirty. But then a couple of seconds later, or maybe thirty seconds later, the soda is no longer physics. You, so you've taken what was an, a, a charge, and here it's an emotional charge with your fear of lows, and you've allowed it to run its course. And then now that experience is still there. You're still maybe even a little scared of lows, but that charge that you had that was really kind of keeping you avoiding the situation is no longer there. And now you're, now you're confident that you can walk into the situation knowing that you may be anxious, a little anxious or maybe even a lot anxious, but not letting that fear of the experience hinder you from actually taking action. And the more you do that, the more you find, oh, wow, I can actually handle this, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, I, and then you're, you're more willing to do it, and then it becomes less and less scary every time. Even though it's maybe still uncomfortable, 
there's a difference between being uncomfortable and being scared. And it sounds like that was really what, what your experience is now. Now you are still uncomfortable with low blood sugar, as maybe you should be, and we all should be, because that's our body helping us out, as opposed to being scared of it, which is a very different experience. And that's kind of the, the intensity that you were feeling which, and the, the thing that was really keeping you avoiding the whole situation. Totally. And like even expanding on that, it's kind of a cycle. Um, another podcast you had mentioned, the fact that you kind of just have to do it scared. Um, mm-hmm. And I really decided to kind of channel that. And with the whole like shaking the bottle analogy, the whole like doing it scared makes the fizzing less intense next time because you kind of have that evidence of mm-hmm. I did it. I'm OK. And I saw the kind of that positive cycle of, OK, I'm doing it scared. And next time I kind of feel this like surge of emotions, it wasn't as intense as it was last time. Still feeling it, but seeing that kind of get less and less every time has also really been helpful too. Right. 20, 25 years ago, probably 22 years ago or so, I went skydiving. And I talked about this on my book very briefly, but I, I went skydiving and it was probably the most terrifying thing that I've ever done. Um, and I only had done it once. And I will tell you right now that if I were to go skydiving again, and I don't plan to, uh, but maybe I will, uh, just for the sake of this this experiment or this conversation, um, I would probably be just as scared today as I was twenty two or twenty three years ago going skydiving. But also, but but that being said, that's because there's so much space between the time that I went the first time and the time that I would go again. But if I were to go, if I were to skydive mm-hmm. every week, um, or even every month for the next year. I can guarantee you that each time I would do it, I would still be scared, but I would be less scared and more confident every time uh, because I have now have more experience. I know that, okay, the, the plane takes off and, and at this point I, I jump and I, at this point I pull my rip cord and, and I know that I know what's going to happen. I know I'm, I know I'm going to be safe, even though these emotions are happening inside of my body and inside of my brain. Um, and it's the same thing here. It's it's knowing knowing what to expect, knowing how to deal with contingencies, and really also more most importantly, knowing that no matter what happens, you have the ability to handle it as long as you have sugar. <laughs> you have the ability to handle your emotions, um, and you have the ability to handle the, the logistics of the low. Um, but if you do it once and then don't do it again, um, you may you you did it scared the first time, but now you're not you're not continually gaining more information. Uh, that's going to continue you on that path. And so I think that I want to commend you for continuing to really push on this and really do research, but also to push yourself to gain more and more experience. And I don't want to promise you that your fear of lows is ever going to go away, but that's actually not the point. The point is, is that not that your fear of lows goes away, but your avoidance behavior goes away. You're able to go out and do the things that you want to do. You know, you told me just a minute ago after we, before we got on the podcast that you you know, are going to start be starting a, new, a, a full-time job after college and, you know, maybe, maybe doing some traveling or doing some other things and the ability to have, to have it, to have the confidence to do that, even though you may be a little bit anxious about your blood sugars. Um, that's how that that's, that's great. And, and we want you to be a little anxious about your blood sugars, not, not in a way that gets in the way, but in a way that actually helps you to make sure that you're paying attention. Because imagine if you weren't anxious at all about your blood sugars, you probably wouldn't pay attention to them at all. And you'd be, super high and super low all the time and you would just be like well whatever not a big deal um so that anxiety is actually super functional as long as it's not getting in the way of you living your life and that's really our goal for you Stefano, is make sure that um, you're in that place and i'm so glad to hear that um this podcast has been so helpful for you um in that process 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really grateful for for just all of the the content you've been you put out. You bet. So, what's next for you? What where, where do you still have to go in this process of uh not avoiding um trying to manage your fear of lows and manage low blood sugar and manage your anxiety around diabetes? What's next for you? So, senior year of college is quite hectic, a lot of like unpredictable schedules um and things out of routine. So, really it's just about kind of challenging myself to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Whenever kind of an opportunity presents itself, I ask myself. My first response is always, "Oh my god, no, I don't want to do that." And then I ask myself, "Do I not want to do it because I actually don't want to?" And then that's valid. Or is it because of the diabetes? And if it's because of the diabetes, really challenging myself to do it anyway. And also layering on top of that, just because I'm doing something doesn't excuse bad blood sugars. There's definitely times when I can kind of compromise a little bit and everything's a trade-off. But really just trying to keep that above 70%. I'm not trying to do anything crazy. I'm not trying to be in like the 90s um, right now. Just like above 70% time and range. I'm happy with and kind of challenging myself to have both of those together. Yeah. And that sounds awesome. It sounds like you're, you're really on a great path and you're really looking to grow and learn from this experience. You know, it wasn't fun, but it sounds like, you know, not the, the experience that you had and, and getting through it has helped you grow not only with your diabetes management, but also um, in your life as a college student and, and soon to be graduate. So congratulations there. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of it also kind of trying to take something positive from the experience, which is why I reached out to you um, for the podcast. Also, like I just started an Instagram account too to kind of share my experience a little bit to help people who have really been struggling with the fear of lows too. Mm -hmm. So kind of trying to channel some energy into that as well. Awesome. And what is your Instagram handle? I want to make sure that people know that they can follow you and, and people who experience fear of lows can learn from your experience as well. Totally. Um, the handle is type one, at type one disaster. Um, kind of just like jokingly. <laughs> um, but the type one, like the one is the actual word one, not the, not the number. But so yeah, type one type, disaster. Type one disaster. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes for this episode so people can uh, follow you and uh, learn from awesome. your experience. So Stefan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure talking to you. I'm so glad that the podcast has been beneficial to you and I wish you the best of luck, um, as you finish up college and go on to, life in the working world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to chat with you today. You bet. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use starting today in your life type 1 diabetes to reduce the emotional burden and reduce the stress. And today your plan of action is do it scared. Just like Stefano realized, it's important to push yourself in your life with type 1 diabetes, and make sure that you're doing things even if you're scared. Just because your mind or your body is telling you that you shouldn't do something doesn't make it true. So find something in your life that you want to do, that you know is objectively safe, and push yourself to do it. Give yourself that exposure and show yourself that you can do it, even though you're scared. You got this. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat. 
so you could have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.